How you find satisfaction in life is to seek and find God. I find satisfaction in life through making others happy. Satisfaction is pretty good to me. I find satisfaction in life through spending time with my family and friends and just being able to enjoy life to the fullest. Most people find satisfaction usually by pursuing their desires. Go to work. My chimney. Go to work. Go to work. Is that cool? That's it. Well, great answers, right? And we're in the middle of this, uh, this series called uh, Big Questions, Honest Answers. And we're talk, kind of talking about these questions where uh, if we could get some clarity on them, uh, that it, it would actually not just help us with the big decisions, but actually on the daily decisions when we go to work and when we're with our family, that it would actually uh, begin to change our lives if we had some kind of clarity on some of these answers. And last week we talked about uh, what's the secret to a successful life. And as we looked in the scripture, we actually kind of found an interesting answer, that the answer to that is that uh, influence is the uh, secret to a successful life. That um, uh, Ralph, this guy we talked about last week, Ralph, he figured out a way to put up some filters and some boundaries in his life to, to keep out some of those influences that would keep him or direct him toward an unsuccessful life. And then he was intentional about uh, allowing himself to be influenced by God's word, by God's truth, by God's character, and then that put him on this road toward legacy toward legacy in his life, one of those words that we kind of all want to be said about our lives. And today I think we're going to talk about another great question. How do I find true satisfaction in life? How do I find true satisfaction in life? And there's a lot of claims out there as to how to find this true satisfaction, right? Every restaurant, they're going to say, man, we've got it. You come here and we will satisfy you, right? Whether it's that, that awesome blossom or whether it's a big old steak or ladies, like if it's like a nice salad, you know what I'm saying? Like they will satisfy you with that food or uh, maybe it's a beverage, whether it's an al alcoholic beverage or a, a soft drink, you know, ob obey your thirst. This is where we can quench your thirst. We can satisfy your longings, uh, even vacation resorts, things like that they will promise satisfaction satisfaction guaranteed right and by the way I know I'm going to say satisfaction right so you're probably gonna be humming that song about the rolling stones in your head the whole message and so if you like that song you're welcome and if you hate it I'm just sorry okay I, I can't help you with that but I'm gonna keep saying satisfaction the whole time um, but uh, so there's all these claims out there and in fact even this the, um, the candy bar industry has gotten into it and they've got Snickers what does Snickers do it satisfies right but in my life it does not satisfy it does uh, for like a minute and then I want another one and then I want another one those tricky dogs you know <laughs> they got me figured out but they uh, it doesn't really satisfy uh, and so we're kind of all, in one way or another whether it's intentional or by default we're all in this uh, kind of search for satisfaction in our lives and um the place where life really feels good, where we kind of feel like we're in the zone, where our mood is good and uh, we're achieving things and we kind of feel like we've got full, good, uh, satisfying life. We're all kind of chasing after a little bit. And in my opinion, I believe that we were created, we were designed to be fully satisfied, to have uh, that uh, longing uh, met, to have that thirst quenched. We were created for full satisfaction. But it's a lot easier said than done. And to be honest, as we kind of chase after, we kind of go uh, down a variety of roads trying to find satisfaction in life. And um, it's, a, uh, um, it's a bit elusive, 
honestly. It can be kind of hard to, uh, to actually kind of find it. And uh, in my life, I think we've, uh, we, I often find myself playing kind of this if-only game. You know, we play that game. Like, if only I had gotten that job. If only I had married that person. If only I was married. If only I had kids. Then, then I would be satisfied. If only I could get that promotion. If only I could get that house. If only I had made the team. If only I had gotten in the game. We play that if-only game. And you guys know as well as I do, the, when you play the if-only game, we're all losers. There, there's no winners to that game. I'm a loser. You're a loser. She's a loser. He's a loser. What kind of church is this? It's called us all losers. But you know what I'm saying. There's no winners to that if-only game. We're just constantly looking for the next great thing. And it can be pretty um, discouraging to play that game, to, to, to be looking for the satisfaction. We can kind of get beat down. We can kind of get discouraged when we keep on looking for it because we keep getting let down. And, uh, and unfortunately, one of the things that can happen also when we're looking for satisfaction is it kind of kind of going to get us in trouble because we can kind of go down some roads making some decisions that um, uh, looking for satisfaction, but when it's not there, we kind of go, man, how did I get down in this direction? We, can, we, can, we begin to bank on things that uh, actually can't deliver on the promises that they make. And we can get pretty disappointed, kind of asking that question, is it possible to have true satisfaction? And you guys, and I might be feeling a little bit like my friend Tom. Now, Tom, um, he uh, was born in um, August 3rd, 1977. He was um, born in California, just about 30 minutes south of San Francisco. And he had uh, um, three other sisters, three sisters, and uh, they all grew up big, uh, big fans of sports. And uh, they were big 49ers fans. They were fans of all the sports around. Someone likes that, one person, right? Um, uh, big fans, though. And, uh, but for, for Tom, he wasn't much of an athlete. You know, if, if we had kind of lined him up uh, against all the other guys in the neighborhood, uh, you wouldn't be able to pick him out. He wasn't exceptionally big or strong or coordinated. Uh, but one of the things that was kind of cool about Tom is that he, uh, he had kind of a, a never-say-die kind of attitude where he would just never quit. And he had this ability to, to try and constantly improve, try and get a little bit better. Uh, the story goes that he would, um, he would find the fastest guy in the neighborhood, and he would challenge him to a race. And uh, usually he would just get slaughtered. But as soon as it was done, he would go, all right, what can I do differently? What did he do that I didn't? And he would try and constantly, constantly get better. And eventually he started winning some of those races. And growing up, he became a, uh, a fantastic baseball player. And so when he got to, to high school, he made the baseball team. Uh, but because he kind of had that love for football, he tried out for the football team and, uh, and made it as a backup quarterback on the JV team. Uh, didn't do too much, but by his junior year, he was a star on the football field and a star on the baseball field. Uh, when he left high school, he had uh, thrown for over 3,700 yards on the football field and for over um, 31, for 31 touchdowns. Now, if you don't know much about high school football, that's pretty good. Um, that's pretty good. And uh, he was doing just as well on the baseball diamond. In fact, he was doing so well that right out of high school, he got recruited, uh, or sorry, he got drafted by the Montreal Expos in 1995 uh, to play right out of high school and to get into their system. But he decided, you know what, I'm going to stick with football. And he was being recruited by a bunch of colleges across the country. And uh, he went to the University of Michigan. 
He got redshirted his freshman year, didn't play too much his first two years, but by his junior season, he was the starting quarterback at Michigan, and he had a phenomenal season. He uh, threw for over 2,600 yards and 15 touchdowns. Uh, Only one other Michigan quarterback had ever thrown for more yards in one season. His senior season did almost as well in yardage, but did even better with um, touchdowns, threw for 20 touchdowns with only six interceptions. Uh, If you don't know much about football, that's pretty good. And so he um, entered the NFL draft, hoping to get drafted high, hoping, as always, to kind of meet the next goal, uh, but uh, the, the draft rounds went through and through and through, and he got drafted in the sixth round by the New England Patriots. You guys probably know now I'm talking about Tom Brady, and he was kind of, uh, kind of discouraged by that, so of course he worked even harder, worked even harder. He didn't play uh, almost any his first season. Uh, his second season, uh, after Drew Bledsoe went down in the, in the first game of the season, he led his team to win the Super Bowl that year. Uh, just an unbelievable story. No one would have thought it. And uh, since then, he's won two, in the next few years, he won two more Super Bowls with two Super Bowl MVPs. And uh, really, people will kind of say, he's going to be the quarterback of this generation. People are going to go, man, of that generation, that was the guy. That was the guy. If you go to Wikipedia, his list of accolades is incredible on the football field. What's just as incredible as that is that if that wasn't enough, he's also married to a supermodel. A Brazilian supermodel, okay? And he's got three children, and this year he will have to, he'll get on Quicken or he'll get on Mint.com and he'll make up a budget to make sure that he can stay within 14 million this year. And um, I I bet he'll have some success. But um, by all standards, he's had a phenomenal, phenomenal life. And um, in 2007, he led his team to an undefeated regular season, which has only happened a few times in all of NFL history. And uh, right at the end of that season, he went on 60 Minutes and was, uh, was being interviewed just to ask a few questions about, well, what's life like for Tom Brady? By the way, I forgot to mention, for the ladies, he's also kind of easy on the eyes, they say. <laughs> Not too shabby for old Tom Brady. But you look at a guy like Tom and you think, man, if that guy can't be satisfied... If he hasn't found true satisfaction, I mean, is there any hope for people like us? I mean, how do we find true satisfaction? If we were created for true satisfaction, where where do we even find that? Well, we're going to kind of dive into that today. And as um, discussed, these are not new questions. These are not questions of our generation. These are questions that have been asked for generations and generations, really since the beginning of time. And uh, today we're going to look at kind of an interesting encounter that Jesus has with someone that was really like the Tom Brady of that time. And, uh, and, and we're going to kind of see what he says. It says, the author of, uh, of this story, Luke, he says that the, the young man was, uh, he was young, but he was also rich. And uh, we don't know exactly how he had gotten there, but he was certainly successful. He had reached a lot of his goals. It also says that he was a ruler, which means that he had um, power, he had authority, that when he got in a position, he must have just kind of worked his way up the ranks and uh, was this really tremendous person. I think if we had seen him today, um, we would kind of go, man, that guy's He's got it all together, right? I mean, he's got, uh, uh, he's got the nice car. He's got the nice clothes. He lives in that, you know, that fancy, that kind of nice neighborhood. He's got the, you know, he's got the tricked-out camel, you know, with the bucket seats and the OnStar and the thing that can parallel park it. You know, it's, I don't know where you'd put that camera. But anyways, we'll, we'll figure that out later. Anyways, this guy had it all going for him. So this is how the story begins. It says, a certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit 
eternal life. So here he is. He's asking that same question that Tom Brady was. Isn't there something more? I mean, even in all the success, all that he's had, isn't there something more? Jesus responds, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. You know, I love this about Jesus. I mean, it seems like he's getting like an easy one right across the plate that he can hit out of the park, and he kind of just pushes back. He gives us an unexpected answer to this question. And I think that's really because Jesus is so concerned with our hearts. We might think we've got it all going on, but he's so concerned with our hearts. And so he pushes back. He kind of says, hey, have you thought about this? Maybe this is the answer. Have you thought about those, the, the Ten Commandments? He kind of gives us a few of those that, from the Big Ten. Uh, but he doesn't actually give uh, the ones that deal with the heart. He kind of gives these ones that are external, that everybody knows that you're following or not following. But he doesn't give the ones like, uh, uh, have no other gods before me, no, make no idols and worship them and give me extra time each week. He doesn't ask any of those about the heart, but he's kind of setting them up a little bit. And it says, the young man responds, all these I have kept since I was a boy. So talk about good I mean, this guy is squeaky clean. He's got it together, even on that size. I mean, this is the kind of guy you want to hire. This is the kind of guy that you want your daughter to marry. I mean, this guy makes Tim Tebow look like a convict. You know, this guy has it all together. And I I think that we all kind of lean into that. We go, okay, I guess this is the kind of thing that Jesus would say. We would certainly uh, attribute this to him, right? It's all about being good. It's all about having high moral character. It's about making good decisions, making sure everyone sees you as this good person. Doesn't that sound like what we would expect from Jesus? I I know that's kind of how I've lived my life before, right? I've thought that before. I thought, you know what? If I can just kind of shine the outside, if I can just make, make sure everyone thinks I'm this good person, if everyone thinks that I'm consistent and kind and good, isn't that going to be enough for, for, for my friends, for my family? Isn't that going to be enough for God? Well, let's see how Jesus responds. It says, when Jesus heard this, and, and another account it actually says this, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And he said to him, you still lack one thing sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven then come follow me jesus says there's more there's more to life you don't earn your way into heaven by being good that's not enough and none of us can be good enough we can't earn our way there we've all fallen short now, you know, sometimes we read this passage and we think, Man, is he making a statement about money? Is that statement for me or was that just for this guy? And I, I kind of got to say, well, maybe a little. I, I mean, who in here is not tempted to, to kind of put our hope and our faith and our trust in money? Who, who isn't kind of tempted to, to look to it for security or for, um, uh, for solving problems, for pleasure, for comfort? Who in here isn't tempted that way? I mean, I think we're all done that way a little bit. I think that's probably why um, uh, there's so many verses in the Bible about money. 
If you were to, to check topically what has the most verses, uh, money is by far the number one. More verses in the Bible about money than anything, anything else. Not joy, not peace, not love, not salvation. In fact, it's money, and I think that's because God knows. God knows that's the thing that is going to be uh, um, really battling for our heart, for our top spot in our heart, that we're really going to be prone to put our trust and our faith in money. So we want to make sure it's very clear because I believe, and I think we all know kind of deep down, that um, money is not supposed to be the thing that satisfies us. Money is not going to be the thing that gives us true satisfaction. And so it's probably worth asking the question for all of us. Do I have an unhealthy reliance on money? Am I looking uh, for money to be something for me that I know that it cannot be? That it was never designed to be? Probably worthwhile questions. But I think the point that Jesus is making is actually even bigger than that. Certainly he was speaking to this person specifically, and I think it has a message for all of us, but I think he's speaking even in a bigger uh, uh, terms here, which is that we all too often put something in the center of of our lives that doesn't belong, that doesn't supposed to give us true satisfaction. I mean, I love my job. I mean, I love it. That I get to do what I get to do is just a huge blessing in my life. I have no trouble getting out of bed, driving my car to the office because I love my job. I love coming here on Sundays. I love spending time with you guys. I love seeing God work in my life and in your lives. I love doing these baptisms. I love to see this campus grow. It is an incredible job. I love it. But it cannot be the thing that satisfies me. It, it can't be the thing that I look to to provide satisfaction, to provide fulfillment in my life because it wasn't designed to do that. Now, I love my family. I love my wife, Jenny. She is incredible. I mean, we've always had this incredible relationship, this great friendship. We've always felt like a real team, real partners, uh, getting after it in life together. It has been so fun, and I love Jenny. And I love my kids. I've got these three beautiful kids, and I love spending time with them most of the time and um no really I mean they're great kids but you know every now and then uh, they kind of get on your nerves a little bit but they're awesome I love my kids they're so this that's pastor confession time okay they're so great though I love them you know but you know what my family was not designed to give me true satisfaction they just weren't they were not intended to do that in my life and these are great things. My job, my family, you know, fill in the blank for you. These are great things. But these things, these things are not meant to satisfy us. They're meant to, to point to the ultimate thing, our ultimate longing. So what's the conclusion here with our ruler, with our young friend? Well, it says in verse 23 that when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy and we actually don't know the rest of the story with this guy uh, he's never talked about it again in scripture I mean it's possible that he was there uh, when Jesus was crucified that he kind of figured it out then that his heart was changed and that he was uh, willing to put uh, God in the center of his life but uh, at that point he, he, he didn't do any of that we just know that on that day he walked away sad 
he walked away discouraged and i get it man i i totally get it man this is a scary proposition because here's the deal the answer to the question uh, that we're asking today is that we experience satisfaction based on what we put in the center of our lives and so true satisfaction comes when that thing we put in the center of our lives actually fits that we experience true satisfaction when the thing that we put in the center of our life actually fits and when this happens when this happens then uh then life makes sense it, it provides direction it provides purpose it, it helps us make wise decisions it gives us uh, maybe some definition of who we are. It gives us perspective in life. It, it, it begins to comfort us in hard times when that thing really fits. So if we had gotten to kind of stick around there um, and listen to the rest of that conversation, maybe with the disciples after that man walked away, I, I wonder what Jesus would say is that thing, that thing that's supposed to fit in the center of our lives. Well, I mentioned last week that we're going to continue to try and look at the Psalms. Um, the Psalms are so great in answering some of these questions, some of these heart questions. And, and we're going to read Psalm 63, and, and I'm not going to unpack anything because it actually speaks for itself. It's a Psalm that David wrote. And, and David really, uh, from a young age, he was just a young, poor shepherd boy, and his trajectory was kind of set that he was just going to be that shepherd boy. He was going to go from a young, uh, poor shepherd boy to an old, uh, poor shepherd. And, um, and that was going to kind of be his lot. But God had other plans. And he kind of tapped him on the shoulder and said, I, I want you to come from here and I want you to be uh, this incredible warrior. And he was. I mean, he won battles. He had victories uh, that um, uh, were incredible. If he was in um, uh, here today in, this, uh, in, our, um, in the United States, he would be like a five-star general. I mean, he was an incredible warrior. But that wasn't it. He actually became the king of Israel and returned uh, Israel to a, a great place of prosperity. And um, uh, the, the most incredible thing about him is that he could have certainly leaned on his wealth, his accomplishments, his achievements, and, and said, man, this is the thing that's going to satisfy me. But he figured it out. He figured out the thing that is to go in the center of our lives and that actually fits. This is what he says in Psalm 63. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing my lips, my mouth will praise you. You see, um, we all have a God-shaped hole in our hearts. That's how we were designed. And the only thing that really fits in there is a relationship with God. Anything else we try and put in there will actually leave us longing for more, disappointed, dissatisfied, because the only thing that truly fits in there is God. A smart guy named C.S. Lewis who thought about this stuff uh, a lot uh, says it this way. He says, if I find myself 
uh, a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud or a fake, but probably earthly, earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. If that is so, I must take care, on the one hand, never to despise or to be unthankful for these earthly blessings, and on the other, never to mistake them for the something else of which they are only a kind of copy or echo or mirage. You see, C.S. Lewis and David are answering the question that Tom Brady and this ruler have when they ask, isn't there something more that this world is able to offer? And the answer is, yes. Yes, you were designed to have God at the center of your life. Those things uh, that you continue to put there only point to that reality. True satisfaction comes with God in the center of our lives. Now, if you're here today and you're kind of new to church or new back to church, or uh, maybe you're just kicking the tires of Christianity, kind of checking it out, uh, first of all, we're so glad you're here. In fact, this church exists for you. That's what we're all about. And I'm so glad uh, to do and to be a part of a, a church like this because I was in your spot not that long ago. Well, I, where there was, uh, I was looking for a place to kind of figure out what life was really all about. And that people gave me kind of room to kind of figure that out. And so we're so glad that you're here to be able to kind of experience this and hear how you were created. But the question I have for you today is this. What is it that you're putting at the center of your life? What are you banking on? What is it uh, uh, that you're uh, looking to give you that satisfaction? Is it satisfying you? Is it loving you back? Uh, do you like how it's shaping you? Do you like the direction that your life is going? Is it giving you the answers that you're looking for? As you look through the lens of that, uh, that thing that you put in the center, does life make sense? Because the truth is, you were designed to be in relationship with God. And because of that, he is the only one that can truly satisfy you. You know, uh, in our attempt to try and find satisfaction in this life, I, I'll be the first to say, we've, we've just screwed it up. We've kind of tried to figure out life, and by doing so, we've uh, lived life on our own, and uh, there's kind of some consequences to living life on our own, to, to giving our hearts to things that can't really take them or handle them. When we put our, uh, uh, our, our lives into things like that, we, we actually, um, there's some consequences to come along with that, and that's really that life never really makes sense. It, it's always going to feel a little confusing. It's always going to be kind of filled with some heartache and disappointment. We're always going to be left longing for something more, yearning for something more but really in addition to that we're going to be separated from God we're going to be separated from our creator the one that actually can truly satisfy and the truth is that this actually breaks God's heart he hates this 
he loves looking down and, and, and seeing people who are truly satisfied. But for those who, who don't know him, who are longing to be satisfied but can't find him, he, he breaks his heart. And so he wasn't content to just let us figure it out on our own, but he sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world. And Jesus paid the price for our consequences, for our sin, so that we can be back in relationship with God. And now he's, he's longing for us. He's dying for us to exchange that thing that we've put at the center of our lives and put him back in his rightful place at the center of our lives. Now, again, I, I know that this can be scary. I mean, to remove that thing that we've put hope and trust in and kind of put it aside and say, okay, I'm just going to give what I know of myself to what I know of God. I, I'm just going to trust and take this step of faith. I know that that can be scary. It feels a little like we're losing control. But I think that the offer that Jesus made, that rich young ruler, about 2,000 years ago, he makes to us. He says, come, follow me. Come, follow me. You see, when we put God at the center of our lives, then, uh, you know, our whole lives begin to change. Our, our perspective uh, changes on life and how it's lived. Our, our talents become these tools that we can use to, to change the world, to, to bring glory to the creator. Our job totally changes it becomes an opportunity to use those gifts to be about changing the world to to love others to be a light in a dark place our families change they become a place where we can uh, uh, help others in our family uh, know what true satisfaction is all about where that really comes from and help maybe miss some of the missteps we've made it can be about changing generations when we put God at the center of our lives, life begins to be lived out of gratitude. Serving becomes fun, not some obligation, but it becomes fun that we get to be part of God's team, that we get to be a part of God working in us and through us to change this community. Giving becomes fun. We get to be a part of what God's doing all around this world. We get to be a part of it. We get to invest in it. When the storms come in our life, we get to lean into God. We get to know that he's going to walk alongside of us, that he's the one that can provide answers. Our relationships all change because we're not looking for them to satisfy us. The relationships with our family and with our children, with our extended family, our, our friends, we don't look for them to have um, unrealistic, unrealistic expectations on what they're supposed to do for us. And our identity begins to be secure as a part of God's family as part of God's kids, bought by the blood of Christ. We stop looking to the rest of the world to satisfy us because we know that we've been truly satisfied in God. So maybe today's your day. And if you're, you're here for the first time or you're, you've been kind of hanging around for a while but just not sure, well, maybe today's the day that you say, all right, God, I, I, I'm done trying. I've, I've, I've had some part of the Tom Brady experience where I've had all these success and I'm still wanting more I'm still longing for more maybe you're at the other end where you're feeling the disappointment of trying different things and trying different things and going okay I guess it's not going to be on my own God would love to embrace you today 
He would love to invite you into the family and begin changing your life. And for those of us that are um, our Christ followers, well, uh, even though we know the truth, we fall into this trap all the time also. There's all this stuff that's battling for first place for that center spot in our lives. And even though we know that it can't fulfill us, we buy into it all the time. And I'll be the first to admit, I buy into it even as the pastor. I say, man, if only, if only I could preach a great message. If only I could um, increase the attendance here at the campus. If only I could uh, baptize some more people. If only they would think I was a swell person. Swell. Then, then I would be satisfied. Then everything would work. But the truth is, as, I, as we learned earlier, that when we play this if-only game, I'm the loser. I'm the loser, right? When we look to other things to be the sin of our lives, we're just asking to be disappointed. We're asking them to do something they were never intended to do. And we put unrealistic pressure on them. We put unrealistic pressure on our job to be something, to fill something in us. We put unrealistic on our, on our wives or on our husbands or on our children. Oh, our children, we do that to them all the time. We're going to pour into them because they're going to right my wrongs. They're going to be the ones. We do it to them all the time. And they cannot live up to that. They can't live up to it. They weren't designed to satisfy that way. C.S. Lewis, again, uh, talking about this tendency that we have, says it this way. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition or fill in the blank for whatever. When infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased i love that image because i find myself there too often right i'm playing with the mud pies forgetting forgetting that there's this beautiful beach that god's provided for me so i want to ask you today what are you settling for uh, what are you settling for what are you settling for with what's the mud pie what are you selling for instead of the, the holiday at the sea? Because I believe that throughout our lives, God continues to call us to say, come, follow me. And for those of us that are, um, for those that are courageous enough to continue taking small steps of faith, they get to experience incredible things. They get to see things that not everyone gets to see. They, uh, they get to see broken lives changed up close, not from a distance, not up on a side screen, not on a video, but up close because they were there. They get to speak value into broken, hurting people because they had the faith, they had the courage to go into uncomfortable places, places that maybe they, even, they were even scared to go. And they said, okay, I'm just going to trust that God's going to do something there because he's there. They get to love difficult people and bring grace and life and truth into tough situations. And they get to see God show up in their lives time and time and time again and change them and change people around them. They get to experience incredible 
things. Or we could just settle. We could just stay comfortable. We could just settle for the amount of understanding we have of God and God's love and his plan for our life and his purpose and the things he wants to do through us. We could, we could just settle, I guess. So what is it that you've been hesitant to do? What is it that you've been uh, hesitant to be about? What is it, where is it that you've been hesitant to go? Who is it that you've been hesitant to reach out to? Maybe now's the time. Because I think as, as a campus, if we took those steps of faith, if we were uh, vigilant about saying, man, God is going to be the center of our lives, nothing else, that's where my satisfaction is going to be found. Man, I think that God is just ready to do incredible things through our campus and through our church. I, I, I mean, I think our, our families would see immediate change. I think there would be healing in broken places. I think there would be forgiveness uh, I think our kids would begin to see us in different places. They'd say, man, there's something about dad. There's, there's something about mom and the way she is, the way she lives her life. But there's something about her. I want to be just like mom. I want to be just like dad. I think our workplaces would change. I think um, people would see something different in us. I think opportunities would come along that we never expected to really love people, to really change this community, be about God's work in this world. I think our community would absolutely change if we were to like just be vigilant about putting God in the center of our lives. I, I, I think uh, broken places would begin to be restored. I think um, uh, the community would change when, they, when we saw this huge army of people just going, running to uncomfortable, broken places where we can bring life and light. I don't think Holly Springs or Fuquay or Apex or this whole triangle area would ever be the same. So take that step. He's there. He's waiting for you. He's saying, come, follow me. He won't just leave you there just to abandon you. So go for it. Because the only place to find true satisfaction in life is with God at the center of our lives. That's it. Everything else will leave us longing for more. Let's pray. God, I'll be the first to admit um, that I am so prone to um, let other things creep into that center spot in my life. That even though I, I know how good you are and how full of grace and that you've got this incredible plan and purpose for my life, I just, I just settle too often. So God, forgive, forgive me. Forgive us. And, and give us the courage uh, to take that step of faith. And once we do that, give us the reminder, uh, give us the knowledge and the understanding that you're there, that, that you're showing up, that you would give us again the courage to take that next step. And for those folks here who are, who are saying, yeah, I want to start this journey, I want to begin this relationship with God, that I know that my attempts at finding satisfaction, my attempt at figuring out life have, have all come up empty. I'm ready to receive uh, a relationship. I'm ready to, to begin to be a part of God's family. God, give them that, uh, uh, that faith, that trust also to take that step and begin that relationship. God, we sure do want our lives to, um, 
to matter, to be about the things that you're all about. So thanks for your patience with us, but continue to work in us that we would be men and women who take those steps of faith, that we would put you at the center of our life where we're going to find true satisfaction. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.